try this in your personal life. Just go for no in your personal life. Like when you're out somewhere or when the opportunity arises. I remember I was at Walmart and I got to the front to the cashier and I hadn't heard a no in a long time. Like I hadn't been practicing. I hadn't been going for no. I said, um, so are there any like coupons or discounts? I swear the cashier looked like she was going to jump over the counter and strangle <laughs> me. She goes, you're at Walmart. <laughs> and I went, you're right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's my credit card. I'm leaving. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. The podcast that makes business sexy again. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and the Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. I'm Rachel Pitts. I'm a Master Sales Coach at Sales Gravy and creator of Your Ultra Fit Lifestyle. Welcome, welcome. Another fun episode. Love this. This is kind of a... um. What is the word I'm looking for? It's a spillover, spillover. That's a spillover from Outbound. So now we're starting to interview guests we couldn't get on the show before Outbound just because we were so busy. And now we brought on another guest that we got to meet in person. Um, I think I think um, Rachel was super excited because um, this would be the this I think is the first sales leader that we've had on that I actually have. You got the business sale. crush. I've got the business crush. Yeah. I and I say in this podcast that I was hesitant to actually reach out to Andrea yeah. prior to Outbound because I just thought she was so unreachable. And in my mind, she and and her husband, Richard, who they co-authored the book, Go For No Together. I read this book a long time ago and I thought, this is just somebody that's so unattainable and she'll never answer me. And I like looked at her picture like, look how amazing she looks in her picture. Like, and I mean, she's so down to earth. So she sweet. has such humility and so sweet and very intelligent and she's just fantastic. And I'm so feel honored to know her and that she joined us today. Yeah. And I love the way the episode opens and you guys have to listen to it because I, I, I kind of put her on the spot a little bit, um, but I thought it was appropriate. And what I put her on the spot about, we all have this problem, I think. So it was cool to dive into that. Again, author, co-author of Go For No, which they wrote in 2000. And I think you're going to love, I love the story about what happened with that book. So let's just not tell them anything else and have them listen to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. Oh, sponsored by Sales Gravy with Andrea Wallace. so excited to have you. Uh, Rachel and I met you for the first time at Outbound and we have, we think you're amazing. We've heard rave reviews from our own clients about you and we wanted to have you on the show. So we're super excited to have you here today. Well, I am glad to be with you guys. We had so much fun as a group uh, on stage at Outbound. Oh, my, it was so much. Oh, it was such a good experience. It was our first experience there. So for us, it was like, we were like awestruck by it. It was a lot of fun. I will actually say, Andrea, I, I read Go For No m several years ago, actually. So I already knew about you. And I was like, oh, Richard and Andrea are like rock stars <laughs> because I had read Go For No. Um, it was suggested to me. I was had a network marketing business at that time. And there's a lot of network marketing folks that are all about the Go For No. So I have owned your book right. a lot longer than... 
I knew about Outbound. Yay. 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 Oh, you know, I, I am, we are very lucky that that book has done so well. And I hear that a lot. And then I'm always nervous to disappoint people when they finally meet me. No. <laughs> I'm oh, like, Oh no. no, they read the book so long ago. I better, I don't know. I better say something clever oh. or wise. <laughs> oh, you just opened a door for conversation with that. I know. I know. We can talk about that. Yeah, Rachel, were you I going to was, say something? I, I wanted to say, I'm trying to remember who was it that gave me feedback at Outbound that was commenting on our live podcast there, uh, the episode that you were involved in, Andrea. And that individual said, you know, of all those people on the stage, and obviously I was out, apparently, he said, I, that Andrea looked like, <laughs> she seemed like the person I'd want to sit down and have a conversation with the most. Oh, well, how nice. I'm, I'm feeling so good now. It's always that's, good to get thank you. good feedback that it's all true, yeah. man. It's real deal. Like, that's what the person said. I was like, okay, yeah. I'll be sure to tell her that. Uh, so a little props for you, but let's let's dial back just a little bit, a, 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 okay. a squish, because yeah. um, you said something about not wanting to disappoint people. I know. Oh, gosh, you guys, you guys trying to save me money on therapy. (laughs) Well, we hear this show is very therapeutic and people are often here on the couch with us. So um, we're not therapists, but we played on the podcast. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. I opened the door. I deserve this. Um, (laughs) Well, I have to say, okay, so the book has been out since 2000. That's when we wrote it. We wrote it in 2000. We, uh, before Amazon was even in existence, uh, it was of all of the things that we were teaching and training at the time, go for no was the message that resonated with people the most. And so we decided we would write that book and, um, it did nothing. Uh, We struggled with it. We ended up having to change the cover, which is a whole other story that we could talk about, but, um, it finally kind of broke through in 2008, 2009, and then became a bestseller on Amazon in the sales category in 2010. So I like to say it was a 10-year overnight success. But so because of that, and because it's been around for so long, um, like Rachel, hearing you say, you know, you'd read it a few years ago, I do hear that a lot. And so I, I can't help but think like, sometimes people get this persona I think in their head about an author slash speaker or whatever and that uh, I know I have um and so it's like you know they say never never meet your heroes (laughs) so so, uh I I'm always like when people come up and they say like oh I read your book you know a few years ago it's amazing and it's so amazing and it was life-changing and all these things and I'm I'm just standing there like all right. <laughs> I hope I hope meeting me is as life changing as the book. Probably <laughs> not. Probably not. That's okay though. It shouldn't be. There's so much to do with that. <laughs> so much to do with that. Because of everything that you talk about and write about, especially go for no and, and failure and rejection, I, th- I think this is a recurring theme for anybody and everybody of feeling less than. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Yeah. I think we all have our own like like inner rock stars, right? There are people who are watching all of us and we're we're being watched at different levels. And there's somebody who admires each one of us. You know, we have many admirers. Everybody. I'm not just talking about 
us because we're doing what we do or have a podcast, but I think people are always watching. And then we're astounded to find out people are watching and we're like, Oh gosh, they're watching. Right. That, that is, that is very true. Well, I think you have the, you have the two sides, right? You have the, um, one is that imposter syndrome of I shouldn't be here. And then there's the, um, kind of the, Oh, quote unquote, I've made it now. I need to keep it slash prove that I deserve to be here side of it. Yeah. I have a little bit of a theory behind that with imposter syndrome in general or with not leveling up. I've had this problem um, where there it's the fear of success. Yes. Of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do that next big thing and it's going to be amazing. And then there's going to be an expectation that I do the next big thing and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do it. Right. So maybe I should play small. Like this is an internal conversation I have with myself. I don't know about either one of you. Um, there's a whole book on that that you should get. <laughs> which, which one is that one? That's called uh, The Big Leap. It's oh. called. I was just going to say that. Yes. He talks all about it. It's really good. And he talks. That's It's a thing that people do. That what you just described, Gina, that, that exact thing. It's all in the book. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> It's all in the book. I think your name's even in the book. They say, <laughs> oh, like, "Perfect." Gina, Gina could be so much more if she would bust through the ceiling. Right. But I think it's true that a lot of people do that. And and what's so beautiful about your and Richard's book, Andrea, is that it's so very simple. And all of these types of crucial things are so simple. Just what's the worst that can happen if somebody tells you no? But and yet we. We're terrified of it because it goes back to that whole, you know, acceptance in the tribe and like rejection and all the things. Right. It's just so terrifying. I've got I've gotten better at at no over the years and just for various reasons. And let me I'll tell you a really quick story on what happened to me with no today. Ooh, Ooh this is fresh. It's incredible. So I um am acquiring a dance studio, which I've wanted to do for 10 years. And so here we are. And this week, <laughs> I've been at the studio this morning since like 830. And I've been teacher and secretary and all the things just it was insane. And my very last class, there was a little girl there and her brother was there. And the somebody said, Oh, Jamie's taking class. And I was like, Yes, we have a boy. And I kind of like pushed the sister aside. Oh, it's a boy, Jamie. And and he's like, No, Jamie's my sister. And I was like, Oh, well, are you taking ballet? And he's like, Um, I don't know. I said, Will you take ballet with us? Because are you do you have something else to do? You're just gonna wait for your sister. Why don't you take ballet? And he was like, Okay. And he said, yes, like, I didn't really expect him to say yes. I was just like, please come. And, but he did. And the, these children made me, cr I literally was crying mm. right when I left to come over here to see you guys, because he had such a good time. And I smashed the stigma for this little boy that ballet is for girls only. And he not only did he do really great, he excelled and they he he tried to give me a tip because i'm the best dance teacher ever and his mom was like a cash tip it, well his mom was buying dance clothes uh -huh. for them and for the girl because we just had girls and he he was the one that like presented the credit card and he asked his mom if he could leave a tip for me because i'm the best dance teacher in the world and i literally was like crying but it all came down to just asking 
just asking. Oh my and gosh. He, I, I expected him to say no, like, but once he was in there, it opened up opportunity for me to tell him about the fact that a lot of football players take ballet. And the reason for that is because it helps with their footwork and their flexibility and all the things. And now he understands that it's not just for girls. And at the end of class, he said, I've decided I'm taking ballet now. I love that story. Oh my gosh. That's so, that is incredible. Incredible. What I love about that story too, Rachel, is that you did go for no, which is in that moment you, you kind of had this paradigm shift where all of a sudden you were, you know, you realized, Oh, Jamie is the sister. And then, but like undeterred you, (laughs) right. You were like, Oh no, let me ask, let me ask this little boy. And What's so great is normally we think about the benefits to the asker, right? The person who's doing the asking because they want something. But in this case, you having the insight and the courage and just the willingness and the desire and passion um, for what you do has the power to probably change this kid's life in your asking. Incredible. Because, right? Because no one else probably would have ever asked. No, I know for a fact that no one else would have asked him. And he was really high energy. And, um, you know, years ago, I was in Chicago and I was working with a program that was working with inner city students. And a lot of those children don't have the opportunity for this type of thing. And the teachers were telling me about this one certain little boy who they're like warning me that he was going to be a terror for me. And he was amazing. He was like the same as a kid. He just wanted that opportunity to move. And, mm-hmm. and same with this little boy. He w- there were moments that he was unsure and I was like, come on, let's do this. And he was my partner. Like it was a lot of inclusion that made it a special experience for him. But I mean, it definitely was a change in his life that he did not see coming today, nor did I. Oh, cool. I love that. That is a great go for no story. The, the other part of that story that I think is really cool is that, well, how old is he? Mm, 10. Okay. So this is what I love about children, Rachel. And you know, I love the whole, like, I think kids are like the best salespeople. Um, and there's a whole, you know, bunch of things I say about that. But what I think is also cool is that he was open to saying yes, Mm -hmm. which is sort of what I was alluding to before, like the fear of saying yes to things, because the fear of saying yes to something that you're afraid you're, you got to make a commitment. You have afraid that you have to succeed. You're afraid that how you're going to look like I see this in improv based training that we do is that fear of saying yes, that, that, you know, such as yes uh, and versus the yes, but piece of it. And here's a kid who's like, okay. Hmm. And as adults, we lose that. Yeah. And little did I know that his biggest, idol on the planet is Michael Jackson. And when I found him some shoes, which I specifically found him like black jazz shoes, because I wasn't going to give him pink ballet shoes. He was like, these are like Michael Jackson shoes. (laughs) He was like, it just was crazy. He just was like mind blown that he could be that. And I'm like, heck yeah. (laughs) So crazy. It was was special at the end of a very long, um, long day. (laughs) It was good. That, that is an awesome story. Yeah. Uh, there's there's so many questions I want to ask you, and I I, I like asking origin stories because I want to know. You know, you said at that time when you wrote it, which is 20 years ago, 
right? 21 years ago, mm-hmm. right? It was a thing to, to go for no. Um, I've got one comment and then a, a question. Here's my comment, which for everybody listening, because you said it, it's like it was an overnight success in 10 years. This is another big thing where people look at successful people and like, oh my gosh, you, you're so successful. Like it's been a work in progress. It didn't happen overnight. And I think this is a really good lesson to anybody building anything, right? You, you wrote this book and it just kind of didn't do anything for you for eight years and then didn't hit the best selling list for 10 years. Could you imagine if you had abandoned that? Oh, yeah. What would have happened? Right. And so such a long game. I say that all the time to Rachel when we're like, why are we podcasting? Right. Because it's a it's a it's a long game. I've always said it. You're we're, we're not going to not that we're trying to get famous overnight, but we can't just produce a podcast and think like that's going to change our lives, you know, in a big way. It's going to be incremental changes along the way. Um, so that's just a comment on that for everybody to think about anything that you're working towards that's worth it. You have to put the time in and you have to be patient. So now backing up a little bit, what was the inspiration to get the book written in the first place? So we, um, and I don't know exactly how Richard, my husband kind of knew this intuitively, uh, but he decided that, that in order to launch a speaking and training company, that you had to have a book that he knew even back before, again, Amazon, that the book would be the door opener. It would be the thing um, that would, uh, you know, just people would either, they would read it, they would hire us, whatever. So, um, I mean, that was really kind of the reason. And we actually wrote two other books even before Go For No, and those were for the um, industry that we were working on in, which was retail. But we also knew that we weren't going to sit around and wait for a publishing deal. Like, talk about rejection. We didn't have time for that kind of rejection. Um, not that we didn't have the desire to do it. We just knew that sitting around waiting for a publisher to say yes to us was not our vision. We said, uh, and he said, we just published it ourselves. And we literally, that's what we did. We figured out how to, how to print, how to publish. Um, and then we, we printed these books and sent them to prospects that could hire us to speak. So it's, it's a business, it was a business card, basically a calling card to get in the door back in the day when it was way harder to publish a book. Yeah. And, and kind of that anything that's hard to do. And this, I put this in the category of doing, whether it's a show on YouTube or a podcast, anything where there's like a barrier to entry. I I know people probably think like, oh, podcast, everybody's doing it. Eh, There's a lot of people who are not doing it because it is hard, especially to do it consistently and to do it well and all of that stuff. So there is kind of this more rarefied air. And with books, I think it's probably more prevalent today because of the technology we have and the fact that you literally could can go on Amazon and you can 
you could cobble together a cover yourself, design the you know book cover yourself, upload a PDF document, and have a book where it was a lot more difficult then. So the fact that we pushed through that obstacle and then we had this book where we could send it to people, our competition was very limited. We really, if you think about it, we didn't really have competition in the area of quote unquote, self-published authors, because it wasn't really a thing back then. It was either you were like Jeffrey Gittimer and you were published and you were in the airport bookstore. Well, we weren't going to even compete with that. That wasn't even a competitor. So we had no competitors. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm here to tell you, having published two books on Amazon, that it's not as hard as what you did for sure, Andrea, but it's definitely hard as well. Like it's got its challenges. <laughs> I had a lot of challenges doing that. And it's kind of this, like you said, with podcasts is that it's it's proof that you have the perseverance to learn how to do something new and hard and actually finish it. Because even people like Gina's got a great book coming soon. And, you know, there's there a, it is. There I couldn't it is. help it. I do so it every it time, is. Andrea. I was going to say, wow, you guys make it sound so easy. Yeah. Go on, Gina's Rachel. book is going to be amazing. And, it, but, but there's so many people, think of how many people out there that you've talked to, because I know I've talked to a lot of people as well that don't ever even get started because it's just too hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, Richard and I have talked for years about, oh, we should do a podcast, (laughs) like so many people say. And then like to us, and this just has to do with your comfort zone, I think, and you get comfortable. And, and, And Rachel, I know you're right. I mean, Amazon, it's not as easy as I make it sound. But the funny thing is when you do it enough, like to me, Oh, it's so easy. It's just so easy. But you tell me, like, have a podcast up tomorrow. I'm telling you, no. Yeah, (laughs) I can. can. Gina can help you with that too. She's quite adept at uh, creating podcasts. Well, but this is a really good point, and this is about uh, the pursuit of mastery, right? Like, once you start pursuing something, getting good at it, it does become really easy. And so there are people like, look at Jeb. He's on book. 25,000. I don't know. I've lost track. 14. He's on 15 now. He's written 14. I've, yeah, I've got, I lost track, but, but, but it's now a habit for him. And so it gets easier. Podcasting for me, I can do in my sleep, right? Where Mm -hmm. other people are like, I can't even wrap my head around it. But the first time I started looking at how to do it, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It hurt my head. I'm not a tech person. Um, I hired someone to help me. Oh, I just got an epiphany. That's what I, I was trying to do there, Gina. Is like I help you out with someone to help Andrea. me. Maybe I could <laughs> hire someone to help me. Oh man, look at that! I just taught myself a lesson. There you go. <laughs> Any anyway, for sure. Yeah. So so getting we can help you, Andrea. If you, if you guys want a podcast, <laughs> what? <sighs> And, you know, the interesting thing about podcasts and what would be so great about you and Richard having one, Andrea, is that there's audio books like there's probably if you haven't done an audio version of Go For No, then there's that option. But people want to hear they want to hear what you have to say about all that, like in the way that that individual said, I'd really love to sit down and talk to Andrea, like because they want to hear more about how did you come up with it and what else and how other how else can you help me go for no because I'm still afraid and all those kind of mm-hmm. things 
And so people love to hear that when they're driving and it's just, there's a, there's so much value to it. I know. I, I, I know. I know. I hear you. And you have so much content. We do. It's well, let's not get into all of that. All right. Well, <laughs> we won't, we won't put the pressure. We won't put Moving the pressure right on you. along. Moving <laughs> off of podcasts and back to Andrea. I have, I have a question. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Okay. I need to hear the story behind. At the age of eight, she called George Lucas to see if she could work with him on future movies. I, I did do that. And the, <laughs> I, so I told this story at Outbound, uh, the one I always say last year in 2019. Mm-hmm. And the story is that, well, first of all, when I was young, dating myself, we had one of these big, giant uh, VHS players we had like one of yeah. the like one of the early ones it was yeah. huge it yeah. was like the size of a suitcase yeah i remember and yeah somehow we got a hold of a um bootleg copy of star wars because it had only been out for a couple you know it'd been out a couple years but i mean those videos weren't even there was no even blockbuster or tape stores yeah. or anything yeah. so anyway I, long story short i would watch this i watched this movie over and over again it was my became my absolute i was obsessed with star wars and one day a family friend and i was like eight, again seven eight years old a family friend came over and said we were talking about this and said well i happen to have the office number, a personal office number to George Lucas, who's the, you know, creator, producer of Star Wars. Do you want the number? And I was like, yes, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm thinking now in my little brain, I'm thinking that George Lucas needs some inspiration from someone young, right? He's older. He's an adult. He needs some new, fresh ideas. And I had this fantasy. I was like, I could work with him. And I would sit on a little typewriter and type titles for movies and think of ideas and things like that, that I would pitch to him. So I, it must've been summer vacation or something like that. Cause I remember it was during the day and I finally kind of gathered up the courage to call and I dialed the number and a woman answered and said, George Lucas's office. And I said, hi, is George there? And she very clearly could tell it was a child I'm sure. And said, she said, can I tell him who's calling? And I said, yeah, this is Andrea. And then she (laughs) said, right. And then she said, well, can I tell him what this is regarding? And I said, oh yeah, well, I love Star Wars. I've watched it a million times and I really want to work with George Lucas. And, um, but I wanted to talk to him and see if I could, you know, if we could, I don't know, who knows what I came up with, collaborate in my own words. I, I, I'm sure I didn't use that word at, at eight, but that was fundamentally the idea. And she said, oh, she said, well, I have just the thing for you. We have this, um, we have the George Michael, George Michael, George Michael, George Lucas fan club. And I will, I will help you get signed up and it will help you keep in touch with George's work. And you can, you'll, you know, you'll get notices and special things will come in the mail to you. And I realized that I was getting the brush off. Right. But (laughs) I, at age eight, even though I understood how to call, I certainly wasn't good at handling objections at that time. Certainly wasn't good at handling no. So I let her, I gave her my address and she signed me up and she was really nice and, and sweet. And I hung up and that was pretty much the end of it until a couple years ago, I was talking to my mom about this and 
we were jo- talking about, I said, isn't that funny? Like I called George Lucas and everything. Ha ha. And she said, yeah, but do you remember what you did afterwards? And I said, no, what are you talking about? I hung up and that was the end of it, right? I went on with my life. I didn't get to work with them. (laughs) And she said, oh no, Andrea, you threw the biggest screaming fit of your life. You were inconsolable. You were crying. You were laying on the floor. She said, I had never in my life slapped you. She goes, I had to like slap you across the face just to get your attention, just to, just to like calm you down. You were just, you were out of control. And I said, really? I don't even remember that. I literally must've like, I blacked, I blocked it out. I, 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 it is, it is, I have no memory of, of being that way. And so I tell this story, you guys, to audiences a lot one, because obviously it's kind of a funny go for no story. Two, I am, uh, it is a demonstration of what we call going for a big no, like going for something that's just completely outrageous. And three, also just goes to show you the emotional effects of rejection. And yes, I was eight, but I still took it very, very hard. And we all tend to do that. I, I love this story. <laughs> Talk about chutzpah, man. <laughs> I love this story. Okay, so several things went through my mind. The first thing that went through my mind was I am hiring an eight-year-old to make my cold calls. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like that just just like that, like get like she said a hoodspot of like, hi, is George there? It's Andrea. Like I've got a whole dance school full of them that some of them are pretty wide open and they'd probably do it. That kid yeah. this morning, Joshua would do it in a heartbeat. (laughs) Well, I think kids are right on the, like, especially at that age, you are right on the line of that. And I don't have kids. So this is just my perception of having been one a long time ago, but kind of what I observe with my friends, kids and family kids, there's like this line where when they're really young, you know, they're so tenacious and they're just so persistent and they ask why all the time and, and they don't take no, like they really don't take no. And then I think when you start to become a little bit more self-aware and you are aware of judgment um, in that seven, eight, nine range, and I think it kind of varies, right? Um, that then all of a sudden you realize when you are being rejected. And then of course, when we hit like the teenage years, the 11, 12, then it's, then there's complete awareness of judgment and a complete, then it's almost like we get terrified of being rejected, but that's, you know, that's a whole other thing that goes back to Rachel, you saying about the tribe. I mean, talk about tribes, right. Then you're in school and, and all of that. So it's an interesting dynamic, but kids definitely have that, that, lack of fear and, and caring of, oh, I'm going to, I could make a fool out of myself. I, that never, that never crossed my mind, right. That I could make a fool out of myself today. Obviously it would, that would be my first thought. And now a word from our fabulous sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at Sales Gravy University. You see, SalesGravy University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. 
Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Speaking of Sales Gravy University, go check out salesgravy.university and see some of the courses that I'm teaching. Just scroll through the university and click on them and you will find me and sign up. I'd love to have you there. You know, we're wired, right? We know that we're wired for this fear of rejection, right? We know it's in our DNA to, for survival. It is interesting, though, how kids don't really have it even though we're all wired for it, something happens. There's a switch where all of a sudden, all of a sudden fear of rejection becomes very prevalent. I think parents teach it to them. Yeah. I think parents teach it to them because I, I, as you were telling that story, just the end part of it just now, Andrea, I was thinking of when I've got this photograph of me and I was real young, real young. And we were at Disney World and Prince Charming came by with Cinderella. And I marched right up to Prince Charming and said, can I have a kiss, please? <laughs> like, and he gave me a kiss on the cheek. I have a picture of it. I mean, and I think that we're, we learn it. And I think there's a lot of parents are, we don't know that we're doing it. But when we go, oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't bother him. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't do that. You know, that's the part that kids become aware because we, we learn the most from our parents. We look, you know, parents are the ones that kids grasp the most from whether directly or indirectly. And I was just listening to, um, I'm really into Tim Grover right now and he's has all these books out right now, winning and relentless. And he talks about, he talks about that when I was listening this morning about when you're, when you're young, you don't care. You're running around with all different outfits on and you're singing happy birthday to whoever until parents are like, stop doing that. It's nobody's birthday. Like you can't wear two different shoes. You come inside, stop doing that. And I think that's partially where we learn to be worried about what people think about us. Mm, yeah, that's really true. That's really true. And it, it, the intention is not a bad one. We just, because I think that if we were, um, if you would say that to an adult, they wouldn't, they wouldn't internalize it. Like, um, but yeah, the message is like tamp it down and don't be so bold. Don't be obvious. Don't stand right. out. Yeah. Don't draw yeah. attention to yourself. Don't bother. Yeah. Don't interrupt people. Don't bother people. Right. And it, and it all comes down to that parent, that adult being more concerned about how people are perceiving them as adults and parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And that is just kind of how we all are. And um, again, I mean, it's, you know, that parents have an intention of yeah. like the goal, the end goal is to raise someone who. I guess you'd say fits into society, quote unquote, right? Who is successful, who is accepted. Like, I don't want my child to be hated by everybody. So I'm going to put them in the box. And at least mm -hmm. I know that if they fit in the box, they'll be okay. They'll be safe. 
Ooh, that makes me want to cry. <laughs> Why? Because I hope that I don't. Because honestly, like, as you know, Gina, it's taken me almost only till it's taken me until recently to realize that I've been trying to be in the box. And when I just threw the box to the side and said, I'm just going to be who I am and wear crazy outfits and do what I want to do and um, be bold, that I'm much happier that way. And I was not happy trying to fit in this box. And so I hope that I am not teaching my child to be in a box. But again, as you just said, Andrea, it's almost like a safety thing because we don't want our child to be kicked out of the tribe either. We want them to be accepted in the tribe. And let me tell you what, I have a kid. And as much as you try, as much as I try to be the the best parent I can, it's a daily like, what the heck am I doing kind of fest. Like, what do I do with this? Like, who is this person? What would I do? Am I doing this all wrong? Like, did I do everything wrong? And like, I think everyone who is a mom of a human child has gone through a moment of just crying their eyes out that I've completely failed. And I've got a great kid, but at the same time, every once in a while, I'm like, I've completely done everything wrong. Oh, I listen, I, I can imagine. I mean, I really can imagine. And I think you're <laughs> amazing because yeah, I, I don't trust myself around a plant. So <laughs> me, <laughs> me neither. neither. I, just, I just, I just killed two plants recently. <laughs> well, and then, you know, it's, it goes back to the simplicity of like, go for no, the concept is so simple. It's just so simple. Just go for it. Who cares if they say no? It's so simple. And yet it's so hard for people to get past all of their hangups and their fears. And, and parenting is so simple. Mm. You just have to love them and make sure that they have their basic needs met and that they're loved and safe. Like it's just basically, that's just really all you have to do. Cause there's a million yeah. ways to screw up a child. Like, and but yet it's so hard. Yeah. I love going for now. It's like a, it's a game to me. It is a hobby. It is a high. It is like, it's a sport. <laughs> I love going for now because I like to see the reaction on people's faces. Like I just coached a client on this, something similar to this. There's one account he's been trying to get and he can't, and he's, he's just not getting it. And he's there, you know, it's always a bid process and the other vendors getting it. And I said, well, why do you think the other vendors getting it? He's like, I, I just think it's the relationship. I said, okay, well, let's work on some things you can do to do more relationship building. I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you ask him why you haven't been getting the jobs? He's like, really? I said, yeah. He's like, that's not pushy or rude. I'm like, no, just say, Hey, you know, I, I would love your feedback on what I could do better, what our company could do better because we really want to work with you. Could you, could you give me some feedback on what we're not doing? I said, this is what's going to happen. It's such a disrupt. They're not going to expect that question. Cause he's like, well, you know, I've asked and they're like, Oh, we gave the job to someone else. I go, did you ask the next question of why? Well, now 
I'm like, I guarantee you, if you ask that question, they're going to be so thrown off. They're going to be like, uh, uh, because they're going to say something because they didn't expect the question. And what's the worst thing that can happen? Can't tell you why. They don't want to do that because then they're going to feel like they look stupid. They're going to say something to you. So that's like the homework I gave him was like, just go do it. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I was, I like to do these little things like in my personal life. We were in Niagara Falls last week and they have these, you know, trolleys you can jump on and off. Mm-hmm. But you were supposed to buy a wristband at like some booth. And now we weren't near the booth. And I'm like, let's go see if we can get on it. And my significant other's um, son goes, you can't do that. You have to go buy it at the booth. And I'm like, we don't know for sure. I'm like, let's just ask. What's the worst thing? Like, I'm like, I know they're going to say no, but I still went and asked. They said no. But it didn't hurt to ask. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I I encourage people, um, you know, inevitably people when I'm on a podcast or something like this. So you guys can't do this. Um, (laughs) At the end, they say like, is there any last words of advice? And I always say, look, do try this in your personal life. Just go for no in your personal life. Like when you're out somewhere or when the opportunity arises, just like that situation, Jane, I mean, I remember I was, I don't know why it was, I was like at Walmart. This was a while ago and I got to the front and to the cashier and I hadn't heard a no in a long time. Like I, ha- I hadn't been practicing. I hadn't been going for no. So I get to the front and I said, um, so are there any like coupons or discounts? I swear the cashier looked like she was going to jump over the counter and strangle <laughs> me. She goes, you're at Walmart. <laughs> and I went, you're right. Okay. All right. Here's my credit card. Let's move. I'll, I'm leaving. Moving right along. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. But it is, it is a muscle. I think that you've got to work as you were saying, Andrew, you just said you hadn't practiced it in a while. And, and I think that I've got, I've actually gotten found more fun in going for no, especially after studying and learning all of the frameworks that, that Jeb presents in sales gravy is it, it gives me confidence and I want to practice it more. So I want to go for no more. And then when you have, when I have these frameworks, I feel more confident to just not care because I know it's going to work after a while. There's a guy, and I'm sure you know who he is, Andrea, that he had a TED talk about he was going for no, and he was asking all these crazy things like, can I play soccer in your yard? And can I have a hamburger refill? Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's um, mm-hmm. Zha Zhang. Yeah. 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 And he, he wrote the book Rejection Proof, mm-hmm. but uh, keep going. Yeah. So it's very similar. He, pro- he must have read Go For No, because, like he had to have read it. And, and it's just a testament to the fact that if you just, if you don't go for no, there's so many things you could have been missing out on you're missing out on the yes that's that's gonna show up eventually when you go for no which is like the whole point of what you and Richard have put together in this great little book is like you can't get to yes if you aren't willing to put up with some no's so you might as well just get cozy with it have absolutely you, have you I, seen I, have you seen the video that he does on that on his TEDx talk I think it's the TEDx talk where yes. he presents that. And yeah, and the TEDx talk is about the one go for no 
ask that he did. Um, and I believe he did a hundred. Yeah, that was the goal. Yeah. Um, and it was about when he was at a Krispy Kreme and he asked them mm-hmm. to do these Krispy Kreme donuts in the it's form the of the Olympic yeah. symbol. <laughs> and the girl behind the counter was like, okay. And then this video <laughs> went completely crazy. I remember when he was doing that, um, he was literally doing filming videos every day on YouTube, putting it out every day, going out and doing something. And he was actually asking for suggestions. And, and I have to tell you, I mean, I keep an equal eye out for anybody who's talking about rejection. So and when I heard that about this, I was completely enamored. I thought it was genius. Of course, it was actually based on, he started this based on a game that a guy had created in Canada called rejection therapy. And it was kind of a way to, to gamify this idea of, of desensitizing yourself to hearing no. And so, yeah, this whole thing changed Shah's life. And, you know, he ended up writing a book and everything. I remember my suggestion to him was to, cause he was asking like, I need ideas. Like what, how, what, how can I hear? No, I told him to ask a cop if he could sit in the front seat of the car. So that was my idea. I don't know if he did that one. I think he did. I think he did something with a cop. It's so crazy. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask to sit in the front seat of a cop car. I love, uh, I want to go back to something that you said, Gina, which is that you look at go for no almost as a sport. Yeah. And I just love that concept of, because I think what a lot of people hold on to is that no is so scary and bad. And what, you guys with your book, Andrea, are trying to prove is that it's not bad. It's good. It's kind of like failure is a requirement for success rather than a deterrent for success. And the more you can just make it a sport or like a game and all the things like Gina said, it, then it's, it removes a little bit of the sting out of it. Now, if you get like a pretty harsh rejection, then it still sucks, but it's going to suck less if you're like, well, that, that was kind of unexpected. Okay. Instead of like, oh God, they hate me. I'm terrible. You know, it's, it's all about something's wrong with me. Um, it just to really sink your teeth into the fact that no is the pathway to yes. And I think if you go in with the expectation of a no, and and I'm not saying being negative, right? I mean, positively. I talk about this as one of the improv tenets that we teach. I don't say fail forward or embrace failure. I say solicit failure. And people are like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, actually look to break something. Actually look for the for the where it it is going to go wrong or where you can anticipate it going wrong or actually making it go wrong. Because when you break it, then you can rebuild it and you can see where the weak spots are in the break mm. and just like, like go after it, go after the failure. That to me, I mean, we do that on stage all the time as performers. We, I guess that's a little bit different for us as, as improv performers. We know that when we fail on stage, the audience laughs. We mm. are constantly rewarded. This just came to me just in this moment, we are, we are constantly rewarded on stage for failing. There's a concept. So my visualization, Gina, is you as Katniss Everdeen, right? From the Hunger Games. Uh 
but I've heard this before. I don't but know go for no. So like, that's the visualization, right? You're in your fatigues and you're, <laughs> you're, you're in the hunger games, but you're going for no. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of great quotes from comedians about failure. I was just right. I was just um, looking at some of them. Uh, I mean, they all talk about it, you know, in order to test out your material, You've mm-hmm. got to see, you've got to be willing to bomb on stage and yep. see what works and what doesn't. And then pretty soon you collect, you know, 45 perfect minutes. But yeah. before that, I mean, you are go- you are guaranteed to fail. Yeah. Mm. It, it, and you're constantly building resi- resilience. Constantly. Like mm-hmm. you, be- you do become rejection proof. You're like, all right, someone's not going to like me tonight. Well, I'm thinking, first of all, that sounds like the most horrible, terrifying thing ever is to be a comedian out there bombing material like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite liberating, seriously. Um, I think that there's probably some salespeople listening to this right now that there's an account or a prospect that they think is completely out of their reach And I would encourage them to go for that note. Like, go big. Go George Lucas big, like Andrea did. Because that's going to build that rejection-proof thing a lot better, faster than, than a bunch of little ones. And the crazy thing is, like, what if, what if they say yes? I think it's, um... There's something, there's like an online um, legal service company that came about right after the dot-com bubble burst. And the guy, I wish I could remember it right now. It's like a huge one. And the whole thing was the guy wanted to call this major, major prospect. And he was like, "Ah, I'm just going to go for no. And he called like kind of late at night because he just assumed he was going to get the answering machine. And the guy picked Mm. up. And so he had, he did better than me when Jeb picked up for me. That story I told you, Jenna. But uh, he pitched his idea and the guy was like, this is the greatest idea. And boom, off it went. And it was, whatever it is, the biggest legal document company that you can get online, like you can go online and get legal documents. That's the company. That's the legal, story. Is that like legal like Zoom? LegalZoom? I think maybe it's yeah. LegalZoom, but that uh-huh. I heard that story some somewhere along the way that he was like, "F, eh, why not? Let's call this guy. I mean, he's never going to pick up. He's not at the office. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'll just call him. And the guy right. was there and everybody had left for the day and he picked up and the opportunity just showed up for the greatest thing ever to happen for this guy just because he was willing to go for no. Now he's kind of like chickening out in the way by calling it 10 o'clock at night, but maybe 10 o'clock at night might be where you score. I, I love that. That is a great story. I actually almost called a prospect last night at 7.30 at night because I'm like, he's going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> I ended up not doing it because I was in the car. And, and bottom line, I, I got an appointment with him. I, it, we actually connected today and I got the appointment. But I'm like, well, maybe that'll completely disrupt him. If I call him at 7.30 at night, what could be so wrong with that? 
I think if you get a gut feeling about somebody that you should call, then you should call them right then. Because right now, especially thanks to the pandemic, people work really weird off hours and because they can and anything goes. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good point. Inspiration before you talk yourself out of it. Right. And, and this brings it all full circle as we wrap up the show, you know, at the beginning of this, we started talking about imposter syndrome and, um, not wanting to disappoint people and people watching us, uh, you know, as we, you know, in, in some people's minds, we are, are, they're rock stars to them, right? Well, because we have a podcast or we've written a book or whatever it is, they admire us in some way. And then they almost feel like we're untouchable. And we're like, what me over here? What, what you think I'm a big deal? I don't think I'm a big deal. And meanwhile, People are afraid to do to approach, and we're just sitting back, going, "Yeah, come on, come on and approach." We're come on. So again, to wrap up this whole concept, like if you want something or you are trying to reach somebody and you think you think they're unapproachable or unattainable, they're probably sitting back, going, "Please approach me." <laughs> Anybody, anybody, don't put me on such a pedestal. You know, you think about, you hear those stories about like the really good looking girl or the really good looking guy. And, and, and I've heard the story where I mean, it's not me, but the beautiful people who are lonely because nobody will ask them out. Hmm. You know, feel, that's how Felix got me. He asked me out and he was like, I can't believe you said yes. And I'm like, that's because nobody has ever <laughs> asked me out since I got divorced. Like literally no one. And he still can't believe that story, but I'm like, right. it's true. You you asked. And also, before we do our closing questions with you, Andrea, true story. Also, I went through when we were heading towards outbound and and reached out via LinkedIn to every speaker just to create a connection. You were the last one that I reached out to because you were such a rock star to me that I was like, she'll never oh. answer. <laughs> oh. Never answer the likes of me. And when you did, I was like, (laughs) the gopher no lady. We're all kind of geeks like that, no matter where we are in our our career. We're like, that's so funny. That's so funny. And now you know, like, all like you've we've hung out backstage and you know all my flaws. Oh, I know how smart you guys are, and I appreciate you. And we are so glad to know you. And now we're going to shake you up a little bit with these shake closing right, questions. A little bit. But okay. don't ask her the advice question because she already told us. You know, yes, I, do I picked yeah. up on that. I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I will ask you this. What is your definition, Andrea, for the word sexy? Okay. I thought about it because <laughs> I thought, I wonder if that question is coming. I wonder if they're going to ask me this because I was asked on stage at Outbound uh-huh. and we, I said confidence, like, and then I thought, you know, I'm not going to give the same answer this time. So my new, my next level definition is passion. I definitely, and I can't remember if somebody said that as well, but I just, I don't know what I've been seeing lately, just people online talking about different subjects and man, if they are like super passionate, it's just so compelling. And it doesn't matter. The subject could be something that I have zero interest in. And then all of a sudden that person's passion is so contagious. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool that they're building a brick wall, you know? (laughs) And it just, so passion. Yeah. And and Rachel, before you go on, I I just want to put this back to both of you. 
you both have exhibited that, like Rachel, with that asking that boy to to. I wanted to say this earlier. You did it with such passion and excitement. Mm-hmm. You were like passionate and excited about that little boy taking ballet. Just as passionate as Andrea was about calling George Lucas. So I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll skip the the advice one, but I'll move to this one. Is there any advice, Andrea, that you wish you had been given? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Um I guess it would just have been, um, well, this is really a tactical, boring piece of advice, but uh, it is to don't let my fear of technology hold me back um, and embrace things faster. So I just be, uh, that's that's probably the thing that I've been the slowest on is, Hesitant to change. Let's put it that way. Mm. I I say go for it. Go for, go for, go for the big no of like, nope, you don't got this yet. That's right. (laughs) Nope. It's not going to work. Love it. It's been so awesome having you on the show. I am so, I was so looking forward to it after you said we were going to get together after Outbound. So you guys are so much fun to talk to. We could do it all day long. Yeah. And before we let you go, what is the best way for our listeners, our Warners? I got, I'm going to say that because people are like, what's a Warner? So now I'm going to start to say for our listeners, the Warners, what is the best way for them to connect with you, get a hold of you, call you on the phone like you call George Lucas? What's the, what are the, what are all the ways? If you track down my number, then yes, I will pick up. <laughs> but you have to track it down. Um, I like it. Right, right. So I'm, I'm luckily well-branded. So if you type in go for no into the interweb, I definitely will pop go. up. So it's at go for no on Twitter and Instagram and go for no.com. And you have lots of followers on social media, which is super cool. Yeah. It's a rejection. It's universal. So. <laughs> and I can definitely vouch that it's a great book. It's a, it's a easy read. It's not an overwhelming read. It's a really simple concept and you will be inspired. It's definitely helped me go for no. So go get it. Awesome. Once again, thanks to Andrea for being on this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, sponsored by Sales Gravy. For more information about our show, you can go to womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com. And we are on all the social what's, Rachel, because I screwed this up last time. It's called social media. (laughs) Just type in at Women Your Mother Warns You About and all the places and you'll find us. If you found this show valuable today, please share it with a friend and give us a rating and review. If you have not done that, that would be cool. And we're out of here. Anything else, Rachel? Am I forgetting? Nope. Thanks for listening. Bye, Warners. This really will get serious soon. Yeah, don't, it doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious.